Welcome to Fitness or Fiction. Today, we are talking about you are not your condition. Uh, this is something that has really deep underpinnings that we're going to get to, but I'm joined with my co-host here, Senator Berg. And Master Curtis Howden. He's the handsome one with the big biceps. No, no, I can't do handstands. <laughs> I can't do the handstands. It's not fair. Welcome back to Fitness or Fiction, a podcast dedicated to cutting through the hype of the health and fitness industry. Every week, we dig into a new topic and help you wade through the real information to make solid decisions on your fitness journey. So today, we're talking about you are not your condition, and this is something that we have run into in a variety of different circumstances. We're going to talk about a few different protocols today or, or a few different lenses, I guess. So we can talk about this from kind of stuff that we've been through and, you know, challenges that we've had physically throughout our careers. But we're also going to talk about it from the perspective of, you know, this is, this is what we're presented with um, when people come to see us for training and dealing with the challenges that they have or, or maybe pathologies or things that have been pathologized like oh you have x therefore you have to um so getting into that realm and then of course uh talking about clients that have have worked through some of that so yeah for me i think people put too much merit into these traits that they identify with like having a bad back let's say when people identify with having a bad back and that's just who they are like oh don't let curtis lift that because he has a bad back everyone baby curtis because curtis has a bad back everyone you know like i feel like people are trying to be gracious and compassionate towards curtis's bad back but then you always find that normally that person's kind of pissed off like oh it's fine i'll be okay and they kind of like grudge on through it but you kind of become that person with the bad back or you become that person with this condition and i think generationally speaking and culturally speaking, I think people are struggling a lot with just like identity overall. It's it gets into a much bigger topic, and I personally don't want to get into all of it. We're not we're not getting into the whole but, ball of wax, but this is an important part. Yeah, just like identity. How who is who is Curtis like? Yeah. So the way that people look at you, that's deeply challenging for somebody that is dealing with something. When people then attach that as part of who they are. It's a, it's a really big challenge, and the, the way that that would feel, you can imagine, is pretty bad. That's why you'll, you'll see this kind of push to call like somebody who has MS, for example. You'll see on, under the, the studies, PWMS, person with MS. Mm. So it's like they're the person first sort of language because, you know, identifying somebody as that as a primary indicator sucks. Like, that's not something that's fun. Yeah. So... You know, this, this episode really came out of the idea that I was talking to a client of mine, her name's Steph, and she, she had bad back pain for ages, and I had a friend of mine named Steph, um, refer Steph, and um, she said, you know what, this, this girl needs help with her back, can you do something, she, she lives far away from you, can you do online? I, I said, yeah, of course, so like, we can talk through it, and we started training together, and what I recognized is something that I recognize with a lot of clients, where it's like, well, this is who I am. It's just what I, it's what I have. And it's like, well, did you know that's not permanent? It's like a borderline form of acceptance, but... Yeah, except for less productive. It's like, well, I'm going to accept this as a permanence, even though it doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. Or I, even worse... The narrative I've been told is that this is permanent. Well, this also goes hand in hand with our previous episode on injury and learned helplessness. When you start Correct, to identify yeah. with the, like, 
you know, it's because it's my fault and it's everything's going bad and it's never going to change. Mm-hmm. And if you follow that same track pattern for whatever your condition is. Right. So this, this is really just kind of building off of that where you need to break free of that concept. And, you know, even if you're dealing with something that is technically permanent, it's never going away. It doesn't mean your function has to be the same. It doesn't mean that you don't have control to do the best you can do. Mm-hmm. And even if you are losing, it doesn't mean that you can't try to optimize the best that you can be. Yeah. And that was some what I wanted to talk on on this episode anyways. Like for me, anyone who's listened or followed me in the last two years anywhere know, knows that I've been struggling with some stomach problems. Just like um, probably some food sensitivities and things like that. Things aren't agreeing with my stomach. It's taken me longer than normal to maybe identify with it or become fully locked in on it just out of stubbornness and stupidity of like, yeah, maybe I can have it anyways, you know, ah, maybe yeah. I'll try it anyways. <laughs> like uh, I just had pizza and that wasn't a good idea. But um, where am I going with this? Dealing with my bad stomach, identifying with that condition and doing what's in your control. So doing what's in your control, I've been following a lot of stoic philosophy. And one of the primary foundations of that is like dealing with what's in your control. For me, when I had bad stomach days, when my food like wasn't digesting, I didn't want to do anything. I'm just like, oh, it started to feel like this is who I am. And I wouldn't even try to lift. Whereas like having the approach of like doing what you can and doing it to the best of your ability, regardless of circumstance, like whatever your best is and your best fluctuates from day to day. Yeah, absolutely. Well, for me, uh, I think a future episode that we're gonna gonna deal with is is gonna be something related to you only get one shot. Like something that hits me really hard as a new parent is you have this beautiful time with your kids when they're zero to five. It it's all sunshine, and there's the meltdowns and stuff in there, but that's that's small detail. So that that's minutia that you're not gonna remember. The way that they look at new things, the enthusiasm they have, like they are rays of sunshine. Mm-hmm. And it's something that you need to really soak up because it's never coming back. Yeah. And like the amount of people that come up to us and say, oh man, I remember when my kids were that age. I wish it was back. I'm just trying to make sure that I enjoy it enough so that I can be really happy when my kids aren't that age because it is a blessed time. Yeah. But one of the things that we need to understand is the longer that we let things go, it's like, well, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I feel like this is my fault. So I'm just going to let it slide. I'm going to go down a bad path. When we make that choice, we are engaging the wrong way with what we're dealing with. So a good example would be, I have a lot of clients that come to me and say, oh yeah, well, you know, I have arthritis in my knees. Mm -hmm. I'm like, are you over 35? And they're looking at me really weird because they know that I know. They're like, well, yeah. And I'm like, oh, cool. Well, welcome to everybody. Like, yeah. You're going to have degenerative changes, but how come you can have a large majority of people that are major league pitchers have labral tears in their shoulder and they're absolutely symptom-free? They're taking care of their, their joints. They're, they're doing what they can, living within their control. So, you know, you are not your condition is, is really a build off of the, the three P's in the learned helplessness sec- section. It's you need to identify for yourself that regardless of what the reality of your situation, you need to realize that your identity is more than that. That's only a small piece. Mm-hmm. And there's things that we get to choose about our identity and there's things that we don't get to choose about our identity. For example, 
the family that you're from. You don't get to change that even if you're not happy with it. It's part of, of your identity and you can change how you handle it, but you're never changing who your mother and father are. That's a good example. There's some conditions that you don't get to choose. Oh, I wiped out when I was skiing and, and now I have this. That's okay. That happened and you need to deal with that. And that's that kind of learned helplessness thing. But at some point you need to look at yourself and say, I'm not that. That that doesn't define who I am. And with my same client, Steph, that I mentioned, she's been without back pain for some time now. And she was sharing with me that her frustration is that people say, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You can't do that because you have back pain. It's like, um, so you've, you've mistaken something that I was dealing with for a time as a permanence in my identity. Mm-hmm. And for her, she's stepping outside of it. And her anger on that is actually really good for me. I'm like, yeah, you don't see yourself as that. You don't identify with that anymore. And in injury recovery, it's really important that you get to the point where you see that there's something outside of what you're dealing with. Yeah, 100%. So one thing that I that I do find is that, you know, I talked to a guy yesterday that he's just broken his femur. So he's a motorcycle rider. I got a lot of guys that do enduro cross and, and motocross. And he wiped out on the start of a kicker, and he said he knew right away what had happened. But he's like, oh, man, I'm feeling so bad and whatever. And I was like, I don't know. This, this might sound a little bit mean, but I'm going to say it anyway. You get to get better, man. Like, that's so lucky. <laughs> you broke your femur. That could be really bad. You could bleed out. There's all sorts of stuff. You didn't. Now you've got a broken bone and you're sitting in bed and you're like, oh, I don't get to ride my bike for three months. Yeah. Like, hold my beer, buddy. Mm-hmm. I know that's a big deal and I don't want to undermine it. I know you're going through some stuff, but just if you're going to play the what if game, play it all the way through. Like, Oh man, I'm not able to ride my bike whenever. We'll keep playing that out for how long? Three months? Okay. Yeah, no problem. Like you're going to do everything you can to recover. You're going to come back in three months and it's like it never happened almost. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is don't even don't even play that game where it's part of who you are because it's going to be gone so fast. Yeah. Like this thing's going to be over faster than a pair of braces. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know so, that. Yeah. <laughs> So it's one of those things, but... Curtis just low-key just analyzed my teeth. He gave them the up-down. He's <laughs> like, this dude had braces? Mm, so got some fine, some fine chompers. Yeah, it's fine chompers. I had braces too. Yeah, it's um, even dealing with these conditions, you know, it's really hard. But um, one of the stoic philosophies that I've been studying a lot on is like loving everything that happens to you, the good and the bad, because the bad is lessons and contrast to make the good even better. Well, absolutely. And that's a, that's a hell of a statement, and it's hard to wrap your mind around it, especially when something nightmarish happens to you. But to try to just love it rather than accept it because it enhances, to a degree, I could say that your perception of life has been enhanced, potentially by value, valuing time more. It's called post-traumatic thriving. Mm-hmm. So I have a client that actually studies this, and I was talking to him three days ago. And I was like, here's a song by Paul Brandt. It's called Rich Man. Is that the song? Is Sing it. (laughs) You know I'll sing it. Is it going like, you're a rich man? Is that a different song? No, no, that's that's Hall & Oates. That's, you're a rich girl, but you've gone too far. Oh, there you go. Okay, my bad. No, Rich Man is different. He's, uh, He's talking basically... If all he has is wife and kids, then he's a rich man. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need anything else. For me, that's, that's true. It's always been true, but could I see 
through everything to understand how true that is and how much to cherish that before I had some sort of reality check that life is impermanent. Mm -hmm. I don't think I saw it the same. So I, I wrote to my friend Charles, I was like, hey, would it be safe to categorize post-traumatic thriving as understanding the impermanence of life and the potential suffering that we're all going to deal with at some point and choosing to embrace it and and enjoy what's around right now even more so, mm -hmm. regardless of knowing the truth of where it's going to go? And he was like, yeah, well, that's... Like he listed a bunch of faiths and religions and he's stoic philosophy, Nietzsche, like a variety of of places where they talk about suffering, including Buddhism, Christianity, like all of these things. And I just wrote back and I was like, isn't it interesting how like for all the things that humanity can't agree on, one thing that you'll see cross-culturally, cross-religion um, is the value of suffering and how that creates almost a anchor for life. Where it's like, well, listen, here's where things can go. So everything else is better than that. Yeah. So, you know, this episode is one that's easy to get on a rant on. But basically chatting about this is just saying the first step to dealing with injury is understanding that you are not your condition. Whatever's happened to you, most of it, you can step outside of it. And if you can't, that doesn't mean that you don't have any control no matter what anybody says. And, you know, the last thing I would say on that is I talked to a guy that has a hiatus hernia last night. He's a client of mine, and he's like, well, I can't find any good information. All they said is don't lift heavy anymore. I said, do you think that's probably the best thing for you to do? Just, you know, go backwards in your fitness, and just because you're afraid that something might happen, not that it ever has, even though you've been lifting consistently with these symptoms for five years. Mm -hmm. He's like, well, absolutely not. I was like, well, listen, it's something you're dealing with. It doesn't mean that your life has to stop. Yeah. So... Yeah. Do you have any final thoughts on him? No, I think it's a good episode. I think just, you know, n not over, over attaching yourself to your condition as priority and focusing on what you can control and moving forwards and that control and divide exercise of just, you know, that contrast of good and bad, I think is pretty valuable, but yeah. I like everything you had to say. It was good. <laughs> I like what you had to say too. I like that we're almost the same height. I'm actually a little taller because I don't have a stool. So like that. <laughs> All right. Thank you for listening. Uh, hit the like button. Give us a comment or some feedback. We would love that. Drop a subscription. Maybe get those alerts for a new episode, you know? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for being here. We'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us this week. We appreciate your support. If you enjoy this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe, follow, and throw us a like on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts.